Welcome to press coverage. This is Theo Greminger. We're back. Another press coverage this week, guys. I had Davis Maddock on last week. This week, it's August, so I'm dropping two. I have a B-Bag Batoba today, and I have Scott Barrett on Friday. So this is really exciting for me. This is my first week I'm dropping two, but, you know, schedules permit, and when you get a chance to, to get really sharp, uh, you know, people on the show, you've got you to do what you got to do, right, Abib? Hey, uh, thanks for having me. It's always, always a pleasure. Uh, can't wait for that Scott Barrett episode. You know, it was fun having him on the couch. That guy's got a lot, a lot of insight. I know he's dropping a, his uh, his uh, annual article of, of his guys. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it's August. It's nut cutting time. You know, it's time to get after it. Like, <laughs> you know, all the days of, you know, the uh, amazing values in the eighth round, those, you know, drying up a bit. So, you know, right now is uh, is really when you have to kind of lock things down uh, to try and uh, take advantage uh, of some of these draft rooms. So Abib, Abib is not the kind of guy that's going to hype himself, but we're sitting down here with one of the best players in the whole country. And you could say, oh, whatever, you know, Abib wouldn't win my league. Yes, Abib would win your league and Abib would do it pretty easily. Abib has won not one, but two of the FFPC Players Championships. So that little draft that the ffpc runs it is sponsored by fantasy pros years ago it was it was sponsored by football guys and abib took it down i remember abib how excited we were for you because we're in a lot of like these group chats you know we're grinding we're getting after it we're drafting a ton and we were so excited for you it was it was incredible it was like you know our friend and then you do it the following year so abib (laughs) did it two years in a row it's like at the end of the day, Abib, no matter what you do in fantasy from, from here to eternity, you have back-to-back uh, championships. It puts you right up there with with the biggest names in in fantasy. It's, it was an incredible feat, um, and, you know, you definitely deserve all the props. You've earned them all. Uh, why don't you talk about, like, kind of like the, the, the thrill ride that was for you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, for me, it's always been, like, about the process. I mean, you, you listen to kind of some of the guys that are around me, you know, during those like last, you know, week 16, week 17, uh, you know, the money weeks. And honestly, like, you know, I'm just sort of kind of just taking it as if it were week one, week, week two. And then you find out that you, you know, you win it all. And and absolutely, it's a surreal feeling, but it's almost like, all right, man, that's done. Uh, let's get on to the next year. Uh, and it's really kind of, uh, honestly, that's just been my mindset with like every single year you like I think about like the bad decisions that I made and, and some of the wrong start sits like I mean I they were I, one of those championships I remember uh starting Benny Snell and he put you were, you were a you were a Benny Snell guy for a while <laughs> I was a Benny Snell guy yeah you know you you got sometimes you got to admit your uh you got to admit your mistakes and I remember starting Benny Snell in one of those money weeks and he put up you know almost a goose egg so uh, I took that personal, you know, <laughs> and it's something that I, you know, I jotted down and something that like I, I wrote down in my notes and refined, you know, re, you know, tried to, uh, you know, incorporate and try to improve on, you know, for years following. So, you know, absolutely. Obviously, you know, you know the money's great. You know, the, uh, you know, the, the notoriety is great. I think we all have a little bit, you know, in us that, you know, want to prove that we're the best, 
you know, fantasy minds, football minds that we essentially know more than whoever we're competing against. I mean, that's and let's be real. That's that, that's why a lot of us are in it. Uh, that and it's just, you know, obviously a, a ton of fun. But it's also I mean, it's also just very humbling. I mean, you know, uh, I you know, by no means do I think that like luck didn't play some role in some of this. Uh, so uh, definitely feel very fortunate and blessed uh, to reach that uh, that mountaintop twice. So. Uh, but you know, for me, my goals are always just kind of set on, uh, yeah, that next one. Uh, and that, and that's really what I'm going after right now. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. So I will say like the whole notion of, and I get into it with some people, you know, whether it's around town or, you know, the people that talk about luck and fantasy, mm-hmm. you have to get yourself in the situation where yeah. being fortunate matters. If you're absolutely. a bad fantasy player, you can't luck your way into winning. Mm-hmm. If you're a very good fantasy player and you continually get yourself in positions to make some money, then you're going to have a couple of years where things bounce your way a little more than others. So I think it's a funny thing where it's kind of like saying, you know, poker, there's a little bit of luck in poker. You draw, you know, two, if I draw two aces and a B draws two kings, you know, I, I'm winning the hand, but it doesn't mean I'm always going to win the hand. And that's kind of the okay. same thing in, in, in this game of ours. So um, yeah, a big, big, big hat tip. And I think the craziest story not to dwell, I know where you're a forward-thinking guy. <laughs> you're thinking about this year. You don't want to talk about the years past, but <laughs> the, the craziest story was why don't you talk about the kicker situation in the first? Yeah. You you uh you end up having an interesting <laughs> kicker, kicker situation. Another lesson learned. You know, I don't know. I don't know how uh, common, uh, how you know, if it was just you know commonplace to to roster two kickers going into those final weeks, but I can I, I could be damn sure that it became very very common. And standard practice to make sure that, uh, or at least consider the idea of rostering two kickers going into those uh, final money weeks where rosters lock. Because, I, yeah, I don't know if it was the first or the second, but there was one I, yeah, distinctly remember. It was the uh, Dallas Cowboys kicker, uh, who was, you know, I mean, I can't say that he was completely on shaky grounds, but definitely like once we entered into those tournament weeks uh, and the, uh, you know, the waivers locked. I mean, he was on some real shaky grounds and eventually essentially just got cut. And I found myself without a kicker for three pivotal weeks. Uh, again, uh, fortunate, <laughs> fortunate enough to be able to overcome that. <laughs> but uh, it's for, not something forever, I would recommend. <laughs> for, forever, forever, you're a kicker's don't, don't matter guy. They don't matter. <laughs> I leave, I leave, I leave my kicker spot open as an as an ode to a beeb like you know <laughs> go ahead come on beat me with no kicker so anyway yeah. we're going to talk a beeb is actually drafting in 50 minutes you're drafting in an ffpc main event and yep. i'm going to dive in and we're going to talk a little bit of strategy about how we're approaching our ffpc mains but first a word from our sponsor Hey, we're all starting new fantasy leagues all the time. And more often than not, where do we start our fantasy leagues at Player Profiler? On Sleeper. Because it's the best. You can imagine my excitement when I saw Sleeper rolled out. Sleeper picks, baby. Now, you know I love Kenny Pickett, right? Week one, who does he face? San Francisco. That's a bummer. So I'm going to be going less than on Kenny Pickett's projected yardage. And on whichever quarterback is starting for San Francisco in week one. (laughs) Probably not Trey Lance. But then, who do the Steelers face in week two? Ah, the Browns, right? We think the Browns are going to crank things up. So there, you can say, hey, Kenny Pickett, more than 
his projected passing yards. And you keep on correlating. Elijah Moore, more than. George Pickens, more than. And if you pick up to eight, that's how you 100x your payout on Sleeper. It's called the Hail Mary. So if you use promo code UNDERWORLD, you get a $100 instant deposit match. Check out Sleeper's terms and conditions for details. These Sleeper picks are live in over 25 states. Yeah, buddy. Welcome back to Press Coverage. On Press Coverage, we always want to talk about sharp takes, actionable information, and identifying edges. Uh, and tonight's guest is going to help us do so. Abib, you know, one thing I want to ask you is, when you started playing high stakes, I know you know we we have communicated for years now, and we're not like some of the old guys. There's guys a lot older than us. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it now where it's getting a little more difficult in terms of edges and information, where you're able to get so much more information now than even I think five years ago, certainly, where you get so much beat reporter stuff coming in. Fantasy analysts, as it's a year-round thing now, you're getting bombarded with information. How do you filter things out, like camp news, like you know the constant drum beats? What are things you're looking for, like that you're really kind of like circling and and maybe think are positive for your for your process? And what are the things you're just like filtering out, and these are just nonsense things? Oh yeah, I mean that's a great question. Yeah. Things are just so readily accessible now. Uh, it is uh, literally just a just a water hose, you know, fire hose of information uh, coming at us. Uh, and the industry uh, is just a lot smarter. I mean, you got to give props to the uh, to uh, all the drafters and you know all the people who are just you know diving into high stakes. Players are just smarter, so it's important, yeah, to try and find that edge. Uh, but kind of, I think you know, as you were alluding to a bit. I think there is some advantage in the fact that there is so much information to sift through because now I think it's important to be able to critically appraise and 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 find what is relevant versus what uh, is misleading in many cases. Uh, and each situation is, the uh, you know, kind of unique. I think the first thing I try to do is start off with just a basis. Uh, I think, you know, me, you know, I, I made it a point this year to start earlier, almost immediately after the Super Bowl. Uh, I felt like the last year I really, you know, waited until, you know, fairly late, uh, you know, uh, after OTAs, right before um, right before the training camp started. And I think it set me up, you know, set me back a bit or it was a part of the process. I think I needed to uh, uh, redefine and uh, and redo you, uh, Dayo and, and others getting me into Dynasty, I think, was just a major help. Uh, but immediately after the Super Bowl, immediately after the season ended, what I did is I went through and just created just a ton of notes. I got like five pages of notes. And some of those are just like very general notes. And then I go team by team with just things that I think are going to happen or things that I need to look out for or situations that I think are unclear or situations that I feel very strongly in. And I don't want uh, Twitter, social media, or even, uh, some of the beat writers to influence, to influence me too strongly on, unless there's enough data points to suggest otherwise. I mean, like I'm going, like I, I pulled up the notes cause I knew we were going to talk draft strategy and, and potentially process, but you know, 2023 notes, uh, and this is no surprise and the market's kind of, you know, uh, you know, you know, gone along with some of these, 
draft quality QBs, you know, and this year we're seeing those quality QBs really, really, you know, uh, come up the board. Uh, I like the idea of drafting as if all positions are flexes, you know, not the idea of wide receiver and running back, uh, because what we saw was this major shift. All the wide receivers got pushed up and all the running backs got pushed down. So I really throughout my process, I think if I can kind of nail one thing that's been different than years prior is that I'm no longer seeing wide receiver and running back to some degree. Uh, and we'll kind of I guess we can talk about that a little bit. Uh, draft elite wide receivers aggressively. So I have that small tier of elite wide receivers that I'm just drafting aggressively. Uh, and then I got just a, a number of uh, other things as well. So I start off with that. You know, and that's my basis. And because I've been doing this literally since the season started, and I've been following along Twitter, I've been following transactions and what teams are doing, where are they spending money, what are they doing uh, as far as in the NFL draft, you know, what do the rookies look like, who's new on the team, you know, what, what changes have been made, new head coaches, new offensive coordinators, new defensive coordinators. You know, uh, you know, new offensive line coordinators potentially bringing in new running schemes. Uh, all those things I think are so much more important than all the news we're getting just thrown at us right now. To me, all of that's so much important. I'll give you a, a kind of a a low example. Uh, you know, Hayden Hurst has been someone who's like, I've just been drafting like crazy, and I'm not by no means advocating go out and you know, move Hayden Hurst up your boards. But for me, he's been someone that I've looked at, you know, I, you know, as I was going through my team reviews, I looked at the Carolina Panthers. I looked at, you know, you know, the vacated targets. I looked at their personnel staff. I looked at the head coach that was coming in and the offensive scheme that he was bringing in. I looked at who they paid and how they paid them in the off season. And then I looked at what they did in the draft. I looked at their, they have a, you know, a, a non-mobile quarterback. And so for me, in my mind, I've just had Hayden Hurst being one of their top two, three target leaders, you know? And so any information that kind of comes out, it needs to be a steady stream of data points for me to suggest otherwise, you know? We're starting to see, uh, you know, a lot of news out about DJ Chark. You know, he'll have a couple of good games. We see obviously see some uh, Jonathan Mingo hype. I think a lot of people have been kind of just on Adam Thielen, just being the guy that's going to lead them in targets. I mean, we're even seeing uh, – what's his name? Um, blanket on it. Um, uh, K, he was uh, traded from Jacksonville. Uh, oh, no. Don't don't bring up LaVisca Chenault. This yeah, LaVisca. 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 Exactly. You know, if you if you search through the weeds, you know, uh, you know, deep enough, you'll see a lot. You'll see quite a bit out there on, you know, you know, potentially LaVisca. Actually, you know, maybe this is the year. Who knows? But, again – it doesn't matter what gets thrown out. Unless there's enough data points, it's going to be very hard for me to get off of the idea of Hayden Hurst potentially being a top two, three. And then sure enough, I get something to confirm. <laughs> you know, my priors uh, today were, you know, it drops that uh, now Hayden Hurst may be, you know, the QB's number one, you know, and who and who knows. But again, it, it's really the process that I try to keep, you know, try to lock in on. What, you know, where was I before all of this started? Because again, yeah, I don't know what beat writers are doing. You know, I don't know how good they are, how good they not are. I'm sure there's some that are just excellent at what they do. There's some that have been in the industry for, you know, uh, long periods of time. Uh, some of them have agendas, you know, they can't go into the locker room and piss off players. So I think it's rare that you just see a beat writer just go at a player or put something out negative. You know, usually they're kind of, you know, uh, focusing in on the positive. 
Uh, also, I don't know how much of them are really, you know, just leaning towards being a mouthpiece for the organization or trying to work themselves up in the career, click, you know, bait, things like that. So I'm just very, very cautious with what goes out. Uh, for the most part, I don't really care about any clips that I see, you know, these spectacular catches and think like I just I just could care less unless a player is hurt. You know, kind of, you know, watch closely. But for the most part, you know, I got to say, like, I, I really haven't seen much in the way of just like reporting that's just really kind of taking me off someone or throwing me on someone. I'm sure it'll come because it'll be just, again, a collection of data points. But, uh, you know, for right now, I think it's, you know, you just got to be careful if it's just kind of one isolated event. Yeah, I, I love a lot of what you said. Uh, I think that with teams like Carolina, it's like whenever we have like like an ambiguous situation where we're really, really searching for fantasy points, I think that always becomes something that people love focusing on, um, you know, in August. But at the end of the day, that that team is going to struggle to give us a, a lot, in my opinion, besides mm -hmm. a couple of guys. So it might be a fruitless task. I love how you you get locked on a guy like Hayden Hurst to be because I think there's an argument to be made that what we think of guys right now is the best like that we that we're going to be. I feel like our if we drafted the Vegas drafts today instead of drafting them when we do, I think we might be better drafters because this next month is just wild. You Absolutely. get constant stuff. You get the preseason games. You get Kyle Pitts going over the top for a 50-yard reception, and everybody goes nuts. So I feel like a lot of times what you think on August 1st is maybe more impactful than what you think on September 1st. Um, there's some arguments to be made other uh, both ways on that, but I think mm -hmm. that over the years I, tr I try to stay pretty locked in. And I love what you said about looking at players as flexes. And I'll give you a hat tip for this. I think a lot of the great players that we got a chance to talk to over the years are able to adjust their playing styles, their preferred playing styles based on what's going to help them win. So I think it's very notable that Abib, you at heart are a running back drafter in mm -hmm. your, your preferred build. If, if it was a perfect world and ADP had adjusted and you knew guys were going to stay healthy, you would start the draft with three straight running backs Probably. and potentially grab another one. But I think I've seen you over the years, you know, go for wide receivers more and more um, increasingly. Do you think that you're, of your kind of your flexibility is you just looking for the ultimate edge or do you think it's an indictment on the running back market where it's harder for you to find a 20 point per game scorer at that position than it might be the wide receiver position? Yeah. You know, and I think I got to preface this by saying again, like I, I really, you know, lean on the idea of getting as many of the elite wide receivers or what we consider the elite wide receivers. And that tier is actually very, very small for me. You know, it goes from Je Justin Jefferson, probably if we're looking at ADP through Devontae Adams. Uh, um, and, you know, the other guys are kind of in a lower tier. And I don't mind starting off, you know, wide receiver, wide receiver, like grabbing Jalen Waddle, uh, but he's just outside that tier. So if I can get those other guys in that tier, or like two of those guys uh, from that top wide receiver tier for me, I mean, I love that start. Because like you said, running backs are being pushed down. I don't think it's just that they're devalued by the fantasy community. I think it's that they're devalued by the NFL. And not just from like a monetary standpoint, uh, but from a usage standpoint. You know, <clears throat> I talked about this idea that uh, or like that, that that I'm getting or the sense that I'm getting that one reason why I'm looking at everyone as flexes is because I feel like 
there are way more teams that utilize three wide receivers. Okay. And I mean, utilize them in a sense that you can have three relevant draftable wide receivers that you can probably plug into the flex. There are more teams than ever using multiple running backs, you know, whether it's just a true RBBC or they have specialized roles. And we even have some teams where we're drafting two tight ends, you know, I mean, what era have we ever been in where there's been two draftable tight ends on the same team? But the issue, I think, is the overall pie has not gotten larger. I don't think the I don't think we're just, you know, overall, we're scoring way more fantasy points than we are. So now we have more players in the mix, meaning more, meaning smaller pies. So to me, it's it's really important to try and, you know, really get a good sense of, OK, how can I build a roster to really maximize each of my positional spots? You know, my wide receiver one, my wide receiver two, my RB one, my RB two, my, you know, two flexes or, you know, whatever the, you know, the format is. And then that's kind of where I start. And the optimal approach to me is really getting one of those elite wide receivers to start off because I don't, it's going to be, you're going to be hard pressed to find a wide receiver that's going to be able to potentially get you 300 points. And that's my benchmark. Um, yeah, there, you know, we all have, you know, a handful of guys who we think could potentially break into that wide receiver one tier. And to me, I, you know, I don't even consider it, you know, oh, you were a top 12 wide receiver. That That's irrelevant to me. I mean, did you, you know, are you someone who's scoring 300 points? That's yeah. relevant to me. That's the, that's the, what a wide receiver one is. And sometimes in a given year, there may only be five, you know, whether or not you finish as a wide receiver, you know, 10, 11, and 12 versus, you know, and you and you gave us, you know, 240 points, you know, eh, I mean, eh, you know, it, you know, it's, it's nice, but if you can get me 300 points, that's a difference maker. And I want as many of those guys as possible. And I think that's probably the hardest thing to find in a draft later on. So why not go with the knowns there? And then, of course, with running backs being pushed down the board, I feel like there's just a plethora of guys that could hit. Uh, you can get multiple where you don't even have to, you can keep some on the bench. And then you can play matchups. I think running back matchups against certain defenses are a lot easier to gauge and uh, predict and project, uh, making you, I think, a more um, accurate uh, and successful planet, uh, fantasy player in redraft where you're having to make these pivotal start-sit decisions. So, um, yeah, the the focus this year for me has really been getting two of those wide receivers. We'll see if it hits. You know, yeah. I, it, it, it feels uncomfortable you know, kind of fading guys like CMC and Eckler and even Bijan at times, because uh, those guys can obviously just absolutely smash. But, you know, I'll trust the process and then kind of see where the chips uh, chips fall. Yeah. So, the, I mean, those those like we'll call them like weapons of mass destruction wide receivers <laughs> yeah. because the guys that can put up a 30 spot for you yeah. and you know you're walking in like. I started out a draft this week with uh, in, a, in an FPC with Diggs and Lamb, and I'm like, it's boring. It's not yeah. like I'm I'm going bold, but I'm going wide receiver, wide receiver, and I think I have 40 points up, you yep. know, you know, at the start of the week. So I agree with you. I think it's the way to, to go about things. You have less and less running backs that are kind of like very safe. I want to just ask you about one guy. There's a, one player that is a little bit polarizing right now, and not that anybody dislikes him. I think everybody universally loves Nick Chubb, but there is some people looking at Nick Chubb as a potential hammer that can win fantasy this year and be a potential RB1 overall. We've never seen him do it. We've seen him reach like 
RB6 in points per game as yeah. like his, his ceiling. Where are you at on Chubb? Do you have a lot of Chubb? Because he's going right in that range where your weapons of mass destruction wide receivers are going. He's right around. By the time we were in Vegas, you're talking about top 15 Nick Chubb. Yeah. Hands down, yeah. every draft. Yeah, that and that's been the tough part. Um, you know, I think for some of us who volume draft, you know, whether it's redraft or best ball, you know, <clears throat> there's definitely or both. this mind. Or both, Abib. Or both, or both. Yeah, sorry. I don't mean to discriminate. <laughs> don't cancel me. Yeah, uh, that's it. <laughs> he doesn't Abib doesn't respect you best ball drafters. I, I love I love all you guys. I love all you, you guys. There you go. Uh but I think that we, we have this mindset, you know, we've been drafting since May, you know, like some of us, that oh, because you know, we got a guy in the late second round, which is where I was getting Chubb, you know, in, in, in all formats, late second round, just smashing it. It was such an easy click. And then, you know, fast forward to August, now this guy's going to the first round where it's like, well, you know, I got him at value, so I can't draft him now. And to me, I, I try not to think like that. I don't really care where the guy's going. I'm, I've been pretty adamant this year that I think ADP is just, you know, almost irrelevant in many ways. So if it wasn't for what we just discussed as far as me trying to smash, you know, those two high-end wide receivers, uh, then I'd have a ton of chubs. And he'd, he'd probably be, you know, definitely one of my higher-owned running backs. So I want to, you know, and this is not just, hey, let's get a Biebs takes on everybody when you've got 30 more drafts to go this month. <laughs> but I do want to touch base on on two players that I think are also polarizing because you talk about where your teardrops lie in wide receiver. <laughs> then you also have two wide receivers going in the back end of the second round, Chris Olave and Devonta Smith, sort of in their own little mini tier. Do you think that this Chris Olave where he's being priced is is an accurate reflection of how he how he'll return value this season. He's one of these guys that's kind of universally loved by every analyst and tons of people we compete with. Yeah, uh he man, he's been a tough one because he's not a player that I would typically go after, but I've 100% been going after him. I mean, I have him right after uh Jalen Waddle. Uh I typically do go ahead, you know, I'll take the Obviously the Chubbs, uh, but then someone like a Derrick Henry uh, over those uh, two wide receivers. But then they're they're right there to follow. So I think I actually do have quite a bit of Olave. He's definitely someone I'm not letting pass towards the uh, end of the uh, second round. You know, it's scary because I don't know what Michael Thomas is. I don't know if, you know, his just voice, his presence, the ghost and the shadow of him, of his former, former self is going to influence Carr in any way to, you know, give him more targets than he should. Uh, the other guys, I'm honestly not as worried about. Uh, and so I think, you know, when I've really kind of sat down and really locked in on it to try and project, which is, uh, you know, uh, you know, probably not the wisest thing to do, but try to project what's going to happen over the course of the season. I mean, I find it very, very hard to think that given how he looked, Entering into his second year, I mean, I can't, I just, you know, it, it's hard for me not to imagine that he's not that team's clear wide receiver one. This organization has been through years now of Michael Thomas not been, being able to stay healthy. I think it's just malpractice. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because I have the scrub. You're a medical on. doctor too, Abib. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so not a lawyer said, though. You don't you don't throw away, away around the word malpractice lightly. <laughs> yeah. Not a lawyer though, not a lawyer though. 
But yeah, no, nah, but seriously, I think it's malpractice uh, for this offensive coordinator and this coaching staff to not have him be the number one read in the offense. And if he's the number one read in the offense, I think he's going to smash value. I really do. Because I don't, I don't have a lot of confidence in Derek Carr being able to kind of go through multiple progressions. And I think this is what the type of offense this is going to be. Uh, I think he's going to, you know, really look for his first guy, maybe a split second on the second guy. And if it's not there, dump off, uh, yep. you know, to the running back or to a tight end in the flat. Uh, and, you know, one reason why I'm just very, very high on Olave, you know, uh, to get back to your earlier question is because the guy gets open. He gets open. And there were a lot of points left on the field last year. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Andy Dalton was in decaf mode. I always I joke about it because that killed Kamara's value last year. He had zero interest in checking it down. Uh, but he also missed Olave on quite a few passes as well. So uh, I'm hoping that their defense is not as good this year. Uh, you know, uh, they're in they're in uh, a very soft division. So one of my notes from you know early May was to stop looking at strength of schedules when it comes to defenses, even if it's broken down into, you know, slot corner, right and left corner, this and that, or, you know, same thing with uh, running backs. And to really just start looking at point spreads, you know, and I'm not a better, I don't, I, you know, I don't really look at Vegas odds, but I can probably tell you that KC versus lions week one is probably going to be one of the higher point spreads. hundred percent. So I, I yeah. <laughs> so I like that idea of just really attacking teams that are going to have to put up a lot of points. So that's that's like maybe the one knock uh, given the division that he plays in uh, and their playing style. I just hope that they're in, uh, you know, a few more shootouts, maybe a few more competitive games where they're having to put up points. Uh, but, yeah, no, I love him. Where, I love him where he's going. I'll give you one teammate question, and it kind of ties into Devonta Smith. Who's a better value right now? A.J. Brown, where you have to take him, you know, let's call it, 10, 11, 12, or Devonta Smith in the tail end of the second? A.J. Brown, and I don't say this strongly, uh, I think they both kind of eat at each other. Now, again, you, you I mean, you, we've all heard the arguments. You know, number one, it's a narrow target tree, so, you know, we'll see what happens with Swift. <clears throat> but even if you just add in Goddard, you know, those three, having it be that narrow, uh, that, you know, makes them potentially all viable high-end wide receiver two slash low-end wide receiver one, potentially high-end wide receiver one, and tight end one. Like he can, I, I'm very confident Hurts can support that. And we've heard the arguments that they've only been playing halves of games for the majority of the season. And maybe, you know, they have a much more competitive 2023 season uh, that lies in front of them. So if they have to play an entire game, maybe that's more volume. But really – my kicker for preferring and one reason why I own a lot more AJ Brown than Devontae Smith is the idea that we just may see that insane TD season uh, from AJ Brown, you know, the Randy Moss season where he scores 20 TDs. Uh, Cause we saw how they, I saw how the, you know, how they used him near the goal line, whether it was a bubble screen or, you know, you know, uh, RPO, you know, slant route. They like that big body frame. So if teams are trying to take away Hurts at the goal line, you know, and if Hurts is trying to maybe stay a little bit healthy, maybe we see a little bit more A.J. Brown. You know, it's not another realm of possibility to see him put up 15-plus TDs. And if he does, then, you know, he's potentially the wide receiver one overall. Yeah, I, I, I love that take. I'm <clears throat> big on A.J. Brown in everything. Dynasty, um, redraft. I, I took A.J. Brown 
with Amon Ross St. Brown as a start in, in a main event uh, that already went down. Um, I love that take about the touchdowns because you've seen AJ Brown have so many multiple touchdown mm-hmm. games where that you could just see him do it on spike weeks alone and have yep. like, you know, 10 massive games. And that's what propels him if this offense is going to go nuclear. So I love it. I want to keep picking your brain on players, but first I want to kind of get into to your process. So right now, like if we draft an FFPC draft, like where a B plays and I, I play a lot over there as well, we get the draft order um, before these drafts go down. And then for some of us in these FFPC main events, Abib, you get like your slots, like it's great. You get it like a month ahead. So, you know, those drafts are coming down the pipeline. Yeah. Yeah. But tonight you're drafting out of the four hole. Yep. So you find out you're drafting out of the four hole. What, how do you start planning for this draft? Do you sit there and map out a, well, let's start from the top. Do you sit down and map out a top four and you have a plan no matter what's going to go down? You know, I try to, uh, but honestly, it just comes, it literally will come down to the last second and it'll just be kind of a gut feel. Uh, I'm trying to do a better job of, you know, uh, diversifying, you know, within my player pool. Let's back it up. Have you had any, <laughs> have you had any top four picks in FFPC main events yet? I have, I have, and I've gone uh, chase uh, uh, at the four spot. So the question will be if Kelsey falls, uh, if Kelsey falls, uh, It'll be a question, you know, it'll be a tough decision between Kelsey and Tyree Kill for me. Uh, you know, Tyree Kill, I could just, again, easily see being the overall wide receiver one. And I just love getting one of those wide receiver ones uh, early on in drafts. Um, but Kelsey, you know, given what he did last year is just, you know, truly amazing. Now, I'm still worried, you know, one of my like offseason notes with the uh, Chiefs was to not rely on 2023 Kelsey numbers uh, because I knew and I felt that, you know, there was just going to be this steam that was going to spill over into 2023. And, you know, we've had a lot of talk about Kelsey as the overall, you know, potential number one pick, you know, in, in certain, we've seen him there uh, plenty of times throughout the off season. And it was, it's just odd to me that that was not even in discussion last year or even the year before, you know, uh, and a lot of things can change. He just may not score as many touchdowns. Uh, you may see other guys, uh, take, you know, uh, you know, carry a little bit more weight. Uh, and he's also getting older and by no means do I want to fade Kelsey at all. Like, obviously he is the clear number one, but I need to just not look at what he did in 2022. And I really want to take what he's done over the last three and five years and kind of use that average to bake in where I think he should go. So. I think there's an argument to be made that people are chasing a little bit of that edge he had versus tight end two mm-hmm. more than what we're going to have, which I think could be a little bit incorrect because I think there's some guys that could. I still think at the end of the day, if we all had to bet money on who finishes his tight end one overall, it's Kelsey. Yeah. But how if he is he four points ahead of somebody? Is he three points ahead? Because if you could start getting into that territory, then he's a little less impactful. So let's say you have your top four. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm it's it's Jefferson, Chase, Hill, and Kelsey. McCaffrey's would you start considering McCaffrey at the 105? No. Nah. Okay, so we don't need to <laughs> we don't need to figure out where he's at for you. Just are you still in on drafting Cooper Cup where you would have been six weeks ago? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm a I'm a risky player in that sense. Um, and you know, you talked about, you know, kind of, you know, how do I plan for drafts and <clears throat> 
really I'm less kind of, you know, worried about trying to plan out my entire team uh, as far as, okay, I'm going to get a wide receiver here, then a running back here, and then kind of, or I'm going to start with a tight end build. So I need to, you know, come back and get a wide receiver. Or if I get Kelsey, then I want to try and stack. <coughs> really when, when I'm going through the draft, I'm looking at, you know, some controversial players, guys who are really rising up boards and guys who are really, really rising down boards. You know, some of the guys who are really, really rising down boards uh, are falling for obvious reasons. You can look at the John, the holdout running backs, Jonathan Taylor, Josh Jacobs. So what I have to ask myself and what I try to figure out before the draft is, where am I at? Where do I feel comfortable taking them? That way I'm not making that decision in the draft. If you're OTC and Jonathan Taylor slides to the third round, you have to take him, right? Third round, absolutely. And, you know, yeah. I was in a main where all of this was kind of going on earlier. Uh, and he fell to the late second. And at that point, you know, at that time, I was like, you know, he's fallen quite a bit. Let me take him. Uh, knowing that he still could slide a little bit more. But, yeah, even in the third round, I'm taking him. Uh, because, like you said, like anything could happen. He either plays or he gets traded. You know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I think at that, you know, you know, given that talent, uh, these are just risks that I'm willing to take. And if it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out. But I think these are the type of risks that could really get you, uh, you know, over the hump. Uh, third round Josh Jacobs, uh, mid to late third round Josh Jacobs has been like one of my favorite uh, picks. Some, maybe something that might bite me in the ass, but that's like uh, that's definitely one of the major risks that I'm, I'm absolutely willing to take. So I try and to I figure that, out. And I'll just say a beat, yeah. like for your for your tolerance, like I think people listening to that, if you if you're dead on your third round pick, that doesn't kill your build. Nah. Like if you draft well enough, you can't miss on one, two, three, but if you miss on three and you hit well on your first and your second rounder and you'll able, able to extract value in four through seven, because a lot of our league winners, Abib, have been coming <laughs> in that four through seven range. I think it's a Absolutely. big misnomer that like playing it safe in the third just feels like a very soft way to approach this game. Absolutely. And there's like something to it. I mean, this kind of gets like, into some of the nuances and, you know, probably, you know, thinking a little bit too far ahead. <coughs> but the idea of like rostering, like one of those early players who like either isn't playing for the first three to four weeks of a holdout or just a slow starter, say, you know, say one of the rookies we draft or Brees Hall, Brees Hall is a good example. Doesn't start for like the first two to three weeks. If you're able to build a roster where you can sort of kind of manage those two to three week absences, I think what that does, it, it not only allows you to kind of have a player that could potentially be a home run hitter later on, but think about all the teams that did draft him that weren't able to manage, you know, that did not have good roster constructions. So, well, now you just set yourself apart, apart from the field. If you're able to lock in on one of those guys who's a slow starter where a good amount of teams who had him could not weather the storm and all the teams that don't have him aren't taking advantage of this, this like, you know, this potential like, you know, what should be a top 12 pick in 2024, you now have in the third round, that could be something that could really propel you and be a differentiator come tournament time. Because now, you know, Brees Hall, we don't see a healthy Brees Hall until week four, but you're able to somehow manage to get your Brees Hall team to the tournament. And he's just hitting on all cylinders at that point. Well, I mean, you're probably going to be one of the lower owned Brees Hall, you know, uh, lower, a lower owned team with Brees Hall on it that may set you apart from the pack. So... Yeah, and Abib's referencing <laughs> FFPC uh, style drafting where, you know, if you get out of your league, 
two, at least two teams are going to be competing for, you know, big, big money in these, in these mm-hmm. three week sprint. So it's a little different than our, our home leagues, but I do think Jonathan Taylor is one to monitor no matter where you're drafting, because this is a guy, Abib, that like six weeks ago was a, was a one, two turn consideration yep. guy. Uh, we drafted against one another in the hard way. You took him there. Yep. Um, and uh, I think that's it's definitely a super like risk. It's it's like a big litmus test for risk tolerance for whether you view guys optimistically or pessimistically. It's it's really interesting to see the way sharp people are approaching Taylor, Jacobs, Hall, and it's all coming at us at once. Let's go back to let's say you get Travis Kelsey at the four. How forced in are you to Patrick Mahomes when you take Kelsey this year? And I'll say it with this: we're seeing fifty percent of the Travis Kelsey drafters have also taken Mahomes. You're seeing that in FFPC numbers. God knows how many were getting an underdog and some of the FFPC competitors. But you're talking about something that makes you common, and it also makes you um, use you, draft capital-wise, you're spending like a ton of it. So are you more inclined to take Mahomes in the third, or do you feel like I maybe want to force it in the second just to make sure I have it? I mean, honestly, I... It, to me, it's irrelevant. Like I have, you know, and again, best ball, I get it uh, to some degree. <clears throat> this is another riskier part of my game because I know what the data and the analytics state and I know what the numbers uh, say I should do. But to me, I just want to get the number one overall quarterback for the 2023 season. And right now I don't have Patrick Mahomes uh, as the number one overall quarterback. So I, my simplistic brain <laughs> tries to ignore the idea of stacking. Uh, I like correlating to some degree, but it likes to, you know, kind of ignore the idea of stacking and saying like, okay, if weeks 15, 16, and 17, Kelsey goes off and Mahomes goes off, Mahomes could still be the overall QB three that, you know, throughout those three weeks. Or if you're an underdogs, you know, he could be QB two, three, and four over that span as far as, you know, advancement rates. And Jalen Hurts could be the QB one, two, one. So did it, does it hurt me to, like, want – like, I don't get the idea of not wanting to take – if I truly believe Jalen Hurts is a QB one overall, um, why would I go out of my way to take Mahomes? This is not even considering all the obvious reasons why, you know, I want to avoid the idea of being, like, 50% of the Kelsey – owners uh or the idea of like reaching on Mahomes in the second round and passing on you know seeing people pass over Derrick Henry and Chris Olave like I don't want to pass over those guys for Patrick Mahomes when there are other quarterbacks you saw you saw a Mahomes at the one-two turn in a main you did 109 exactly yes that's wild like you're seeing the the enthusiasm is crazy right now and I will give a hat tip to (laughs) Uh, our friend Andrew Schellenberg uh, of the Goat District, who drafts against Abib and I, or with me sometimes, he had a Travis Kelsey Devonta Smith start, and he leaned into the Hertz uh, as QB one, and I love that because I think Hertz gives you that elite ceiling, and a Hertz Kelsey build is way less common. So mm-hmm. you're 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 you have the QB one overall upside, the tight end one overall upside. And he still was able to build correlation with Devonta Smith. So I love that. 
Man, so, still that tonight. You, you, yeah, go ahead and do it. Sorry, Andrew. Sorry, Andrew. All of America knows about your your sneaky, sneaky build. Um, I'll give you a percentage if I win it. <laughs> yeah, buy, give him a free drink voucher at the FFPC yeah, exactly. live draft. Uh, Abib. So let's say you don't take Travis Kelsey. Let's say that you start tonight with another Chase or a Tyree Kill. You're loving that start at the 104. Yeah. I love those guys, both in my top three. Where do you start taking a look at tight end? Because you're going to miss on Mark Andrews. He's not going to yeah. be there for you at the end of the second. So you're in kind of a sticky situation. There are value pockets for tight end right now in all forms of, of drafts, but especially in tight end premium formats like the FFPC. So you're not taking the second round tight end. Where do you start like maybe targeting guys? Uh, it'll start probably in the fourth. Uh, okay. I mean, I've just like not been able to get Waller. I mean, he went in the third round in the other league. He, I had an early uh, pick similar to tonight, and he didn't make it back to me in the fourth. <clears throat> uh, but I'd love to like be able to get a Waller in the fourth round. Uh, if I don't get Waller, <clears throat> I may kick the ideas on a Pitts. Uh, we'll see. I'm I'm really not there mentally with them. Uh, but sometimes you got to get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Yeah. If I can see a path, I can see a path. Other than that, I'm really waiting till late. <clears throat> And I'll just try to go after a handful of guys and hopefully hit on one of the four. Yeah, I saw, I like that method. I think that that's a that's a great way of drafting. <laughs> I'll say that like those those low end tight end one tight end ones, like let's call it tight end nine through twelve, and and the high end tight end twos. So we'll call it like the nine through fifteen range. One of those guys is definitely going to hit this year, Abib. But I think historically that's been kind of a somewhat of a dead zone. So I, I like that approach. How about let's let's talk about quarterback a little bit because quarterback you talked about the need to find elite quarterback production. Is it a big three for you or is it a big four with Lamar Jackson? It's a big four. Okay. Yeah, it's a big four. <coughs> yeah, we're seeing that where it's the the ADP like for for FFPC and a couple FFPC competitors have reflected on the fact that it is a big four. Like you're seeing Lamar go ahead of Josh Allen. I'd say, what do we want to call it? One out of every three drafts, one out of every four drafts now you're seeing that. And you're also seeing where Lamar Jackson is like tethered to the big three, where once you see Mahomes go off the board or Hurts, um, then you usually see the next one goes pretty quickly. A couple picks later, it's usually Allen and then uh, Jackson right around there. So how about that Baltimore correlation play. You're not going to have exposure to it tonight, but could that be like the nuts this year to get Lamar Jackson with Mark Andrews? Yeah, I, no, I love Lamar. Um, I'm I'm not 100% sure what that offense is going to look like from a distribution standpoint. You know, how many wide receivers are going to be involved? How many tight ends are going to be involved? I don't see them really utilizing the running backs uh, all too much in the passing game, although it could happen a bit. What I really love about this offense, though, is the idea that they're going to kind of spread things out. And this is just going to allow, I think, Lamar to just have massive rush, rushing lanes. And so I think we can see a regression in his TDs. As we've seen over the last few years, he's really not, uh, uh, you know, put up the rushing TD numbers uh, as we'd like. Obviously, a different type of body frame than Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. Uh, but this guy is definitely much more likely to break a 60-yard TD. And when you got, you know, the defense having to worry about Zay Flowers and hopefully Rashad Bateman 
and uh, OBJ and then hey, and then uh, you know Mark Andrews. I mean, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really, really tough. So I think you could easily see him, you know, rush for over a thousand yards. I actually have him over Mahomes, you know, in my personal rankings. Mahomes is definitely the safer pick just from like an injury standpoint because he's not going to run as much, put himself, you know, in danger as much. But I think it's not out of the realm of possibility to see Mahomes just have a little bit of regression in his TDs. Okay. And even just a little bit, I think, is going to put him out of the running for number one. Mahomes is not the number one overall points leader, uh, you know, for the last five years, a quarterback. I think we somehow have this in in the, in the back of our or think this uh, as a, you know, as a, a baseline. And that's why he's just been the unquestioned number one. But that's just not been the case. Uh, and, I, and I'd probably just encourage everyone to kind of just, you know, when you're when you're sorting through these things, sort by points per game. To me, that's just much more effective. And you start realizing, oh, such and so, you know, Hertz actually missed a game or two, you know, uh, or this player, you know, had a game where he was knocked out, you know, within the first couple of plays of the game. And then things start to kind of make a little bit more sense as far as, oh, <clears throat> these guys are a lot closer than we thought. So one one area of quarterback uh, runs that we're seeing, you know, pretty, pretty regularly, especially in these higher stakes formats is these quarterbacks that are like the right behind them like the the next ones up where they're not quite the big four but they're all very desired players have you been diving into the range and you don't need to give us which one here but the range of justin herbert justin fields joe burrow have that that trio have you seen that as a range you want to dive into uh, as part of your attack or do you think that they don't quite give you the same edge as the big four no, I really do like those guys. Uh, you know, even after the Burrow injury, I feel like <clears throat> this is potentially his career year. I think his offense is going to go completely through him. So I love Chase and Higgins. <coughs> but I think we can see him have that Mahomes type year where he's thrown for 40 plus TDs. Uh, so I love Burrow where he goes. I love builds where he goes. I like the idea of, again, seeing that potential Josh Allen type leap where now, you know, you get the passing and the rushing uh, together. He's got some weapons now. Uh, he's a year older, another year entering, you know, second year into that offense now. So I think that that's a huge plus. Uh, and I love Herbert. I think, you know, my Chargers note was, you know, pass Eckler and go after the Chargers passing game. And this is before they had hired their OC and brought over more because I just felt like they were going to fire Lombardi. Uh, and I felt like what they did last year, you know, part of it was out of necessity. Obviously, you know, Herbert was hurt a little bit. Uh, the raw receivers were banged up. But his A dot being that low, you know, with, you know, that type of quarterback, I just thought was just, you know, it was just mind boggling to me. So when they brought over Kellen Moore, to me, that was just all systems go. Now, that being said, earlier in the season, I was smashing all of these guys because I could take chances on, okay, I can get an Alexander Madison in the eighth round. Joe Mixon has fallen to the sixth round. You know, James the good old, the good old days. eighth round. I mean. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, I, I did it with the idea that, okay, I know I can build out a very comfortable starting roster going eight rounds into a draft. Now it's a little bit harder. Now things are a little bit tighter. So until I kind of identify those guys, you know, it's harder. And, they, you know, James Cook was one of those guys. And then 
unfortunately all the uh, news has come out now you know now he's you know been removed from the uh from the uh from the uh, player pool uh, of guys you can get late that can you know really be day one starters for you but yeah i like all those guys i've definitely you know been not been taking them as much probably the only guy that i don't really have much of and i'm just you know very skeptical of is um i'd probably say trevor lawrence i just rather go after deshaun watson yeah so let's say we get past watson and watson has been kind of like the i think like the buffer zone for like elite versus guys that we're into but not quite as much we've seen it from deshaun watson we've seen you're you're you live in Houston. You've seen those elite seasons that he put up where he's impactful and can really change your week just based off a big Deshaun Watson uh, performance. If you miss completely on those guys, Abib, uh, in the past, you've been a guy who's doubled down on, on quarterback. Um, are you looking to double tap kind of like that intriguing range and, you know, try to get into like the Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Anthony Richardson, Dak Prescott tier? Or are you still comfortable with one of those guys as kind of like a single uh, QB and then really wait for a, for a backup? Yeah, if I get one of the top tier guys, I almost never get a second backup. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe here or there, but uh, for the most part, almost never. <coughs> and then once we get past Watson, I'm definitely double tapping, if not triple tapping, depending on like if there's value. Uh, <coughs> I'm not as low on Dak Prescott as everybody is this year. I view him as a kind of a safe uh quarterback because i've just always had the mindset that there's no way that this offense is going to go through the ground <clears throat> as far as carries they just don't have the personnel for it it just, just doesn't make sense and then you brought over cooks you have gallup <clears throat> who i'm very very high on this year coming off uh second year off the acl <clears throat> this offense is really just set up for me to go through the air the only question is going to be pace but I like that it's probably going to have to go through Dak, and he's got a lot to prove this year. So uh, that's actually someone that uh, I have not been scared to take as like, you know, okay, the 12th QB off the board. But then I want to pair him with someone. Yeah. And that someone is like Tua, who I think has upside. AR, who I think has upside. It's odd that no, I feel like, you know, the community just, you know, is just not there on him. I, I haven't heard anything positive at all. I just continue to take him. Uh, I, took him, I took him the other day. I took yeah. him the other day. You know, like it's, it's, it's talk about a guy that, you know, if you don't, you don't necessarily have to use him first couple of weeks. And then as soon as he's ready to take over, you do that. And I think that that's a, you can wait till the 10th round and double debt, double tap on two of these guys that he's yeah. referencing. And you're going to like your builds. We have talked so much Abib that we're five minutes away till game time. You're going to be drafting in literally five minutes. Yeah. So I have all these superlative questions. I wanted to get you like a, like a quick hitter <laughs> questions, but I'm going to ask you one question that I've asked every single guest on press coverage. And we've been asking everybody on first class fantasy as well. Tell me a player that if you could know their final stats for, for this season, who would it be one player that maybe gives you the most pause that has the widest range of outcomes or could potentially unlock teammates with his stat line or be a guy you'd want to avoid. Who's the player that you really, really want to know how he finishes? Oh man, that's a tough one. Uh, I'd probably say Calvin Ridley. <clears throat> okay. I love that. Yeah. One. Because, you know, that offense historically, uh, Peter, Peterson <clears throat> has never really just sort of kind of locked in on a wide receiver, you know, to propel him to like a wide like top five wide receiver. We talked about the 300 plus guy. They also have a number of other different receiving options. 
I do think he'll lead that team in targets, but by how much so uh, is uh, is what I'm not sure of. And I'm seeing him, you know, go early third at times. I think I saw him go. Actually, I think in the main, I think he went in the back end of the second. I saw. I don't know if that's wrong. I saw two twelve. Yeah. I don't know if that's wrong. I don't know if it's right. Uh, I I haven't been that risky because I just have not felt very very comfortable, and that could end up being a mistake. So that's a guy I'd like to be able to take a peek in. Uh, a peek at uh, end of your stats and see, you know, was I right? Was I wrong? Uh, do I need to level up uh, and get some more shares? I love it. I love the Ridley answer. My answer has been Deshaun Watson for a while because we're pushing Browns up so much. And if I know Deshaun Watson's back to being, you know, three years ago, Deshaun Watson, then I'll just wait and take Deshaun Watson. So it's like, there's been some fantastic answers. You're the first person who said Calvin Ridley. But I do think it's super interesting. Like Mike Leone sat down with Billy and I, and he said, like, there's a universe where we're taking Calvin Ridley in the first round next year. If he comes back and is Trevor Lawrence's guy and just goes nuts. Uh, Abib, let everybody know where they can find you. You can find me at Skywalker2000. That's S-K-Y-W-A-L-K-A 2000 uh, on Twitter. Uh, happy to answer any questions, uh, depending on what time of year it is. <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, thanks for having me. This was uh, always, or this is always uh, a great time with Theo. Uh, and just yeah, shout out to Theo. I mean, I've not seen somebody put in the amount of work and effort one man has done over the course of an off season. I mean, I honestly don't know how you look the way you do. Uh, I'm balancing. You, it's balancing. You know, uh, I, I stay healthy. <laughs> I stay healthy. Dude, you are you are absolutely killing it. I mean, I mean, you know. I'm 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 just wishing nothing but the best for you. I think you just got a br- such a bright future ahead of you. So uh, just don't forget us, little folks, when you uh, when you reach I, your prime plan. I can I can never. You know, you're a da- you're a daily DM for me, Doc. Yeah, so anyway, yeah. I want to thank Abib. This was a lot of, a lot of fun. If you enjoyed my conversation with Abib tonight, please check out First Class Fantasy from last week with Nelson Sousa uh, and Billy Muzio. Nelson Sousa, like Abib, is one of the best high stakes players around, and you're gonna love. Goat District on Wednesday evening right here on Player Profiler YouTube. Chris Ficaro and Billy Wazowski, both NFFC Hall of Famers. Tremendous players, great minds. We're really trying to do what we can to help you win your leagues here at Player Profiler. Stick with us all summer. Abib, I hope you finish second in the main event tonight because I think I'm going (laughs) to finish first with my Bijan Robinson team. But anyway, this was a blast. Everyone enjoy the rest of your night, or excuse me, enjoy your day. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.